if you're not getting champions, but you're not doing it right, now mm-hmm. we got issues because mm-hmm. now we're not going to win, mm-hmm. we, and and you're not going to have success. Mm-hmm. You know, it's simple. Yeah. Okay, so you want a five second silence? Okay, just five seconds. Go ahead. Welcome to 32 Thoughts, the interview podcast presented by GMC and the Sierra AT4X. Jeff Merrick, Emil Delich, and soon, in moments as a matter of fact, you will hear from Elliot Frieden. Now, Rod the Bod is the hockey nickname, but for anyone who talks to Rod Brindamore about hockey for maybe more than five minutes, you might want to refer to him as Rod the Brain. He's highly intelligent, very smart, has strong opinions on the game of hockey, many of which you'll hear here in this interview with Elliot, recorded last Sunday in Ottawa, a day before the Hurricanes game against the Senators. In this conversation, you'll hear his thoughts about refing, get the checkbook ready, video reviews. This part is really fascinating. Also, uh, Elliot talks to him about when he thought that coaching was something that could be a career option. Uh, He discusses who he thinks should win the Selkie Trophy. Uh, He discusses Carolina itself and how it's a hidden gem in the NHL and also because he couldn't resist, right? He talks about his son, Skyler, winning a national championship last Saturday. Before we hear the interview, I want to thank a couple of mics, Sundheim and Brown uh, from the Communications Department for the Carolina Hurricanes for making this interview possible. So here he is, Rod Brindamore, head coach of the Carolina Hurricanes, in conversation with Elliot Friedman on 32 Thoughts, the podcast. Listen to the 32 Thoughts podcast ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. You gonna clap? I have a feeling I know what the answer to this question is going to be, but what is better, lifting the Stanley Cup or <laughs> seeing your son win the Frozen Four? Oh, that is a good question. I, just because I just lived it, I would have said watching your son, you know, do something that he's been trying to do for a long time. I know, selfishly, it's tough to beat winning the Stanley Cup. Uh, that's still the greatest day of my life. But um, yesterday was pretty special watching him be able to do that. Some things are meant to me. Like I was watching that game last night and the fact that you had an afternoon game. Like, would you ever take an NHL game off? No, no, that's my job. Yeah, I totally agree with you. I looked at the schedule and I'm like, okay, I'm going to miss the semifinal because we have a game. And I'm like, going to miss Saturday night. Of course, I play. And then I look, I go, 12.30 in Buffalo. That's a little ways away, but 12.30. We don't ever have those. And I'm like, three-hour flight, do the math. And then, you know, I had to be there. So he knows I watch. I mean, he got his own thing going on, but it was just uh, you only get so many moments in life to create memories and be there for something special. So something I'll remember forever now watching that game. First of all, the game was great. Mm-hmm. So intense. So anyway, very happy that I was able to be there. When when that overtime winner was scored, Kevin uh, Bieksa grabbed a whiteboard in our little studio and he diagrammed the winning play. Yeah. And I'm wondering as a coach, yeah. did you see that unfolding as it happened? Wow. We talked about this after the game. Uh, you know, I went down and talked to the coaches after too. They run that play every game all year. 
And then it's just a simple center swing away, you know, hit the wing crossing, and then see if you can catch a step on a guy. And and they they've hit it quite a bit, but I just love that you know they had a plan, you know, and then they've obviously practiced it and worked on it. Every team does this, mm-hmm. every level NHL. You've got plays, you do, and you run one every face off basically. But how often does it actually hit? That because, was my next question. And it, it, but that's why you practice it because that one time it might, you know, and you got to be have a plan and you got to execute. They clearly did. I mean, it was uh, exactly how you, he draws it up, and you know, way you go. This is not tampering, I don't believe. But would Rod Brindamore want to coach Skylar Brindamore? Well, uh, it's not tampering. I would love it. I don't think that's the best move, you know, because you know, as a parent, you want the best for your son, your daughter, whatever. I haven't pulled a card. I haven't said, "Hey, a favor." I mean, I probably could, but that's not what he wants. He's earned everything he's that's come his way since he's been a kid, trying out for AAA teams. And I was still coaching, but he had to make the team. Mm-hmm. It wasn't because I was coaching. You know, he was good enough. And then all the way through the process, got drafted, sixth round, but did not to us, somewhere else, and got his scholarship on his own. It wasn't me messing around. So I'm not about to do that now, mm-hmm. you know. But if our staff said, hey, this would be a good guy to have, I'd love to have him, obviously. It kind of takes me a bit of a different direction. I was talking to Jay Woodcroft a couple of weeks ago, and Edmonton had a deal they were looking at, and they took it to him, and he said, I think we already have a guy here who fills that role. I don't necessarily think we need to do that. And Ken Holland pulled back. He, he wouldn't tell me who it was, but it did happen. What's your relationship like with the front office here in the Hurricane? How much say do you get in what you do? Oh, I think that's the best part of the job I have is the relationship between myself, Tom, the owner, Donnie. I think we're all kind of in line. And and it goes down to Jeff Daniels and Tim Gleason. Like it's, we all have a say and feel like we're connected on what's going on. And there's not a move that's done that impacts our team that we don't, or we're not involved in, whatever. And even the minor leagues, who are we bringing into this organization? They may do it anyway, but very rarely. That's what I love about it. I mean, we talk about players all the time, and I think that's what makes our situation work. And has there ever been a time like you've really disagreed with Oh, anything? all the time. Yeah? All the time. We, we disagree more than we agree, probably. Give me a time that you were wrong, that you went back to them uh, later and you said, thank God you guys overruled me on this one. I think it's the other way. I think you got to look at it the other way. I don't remember the ones I was wrong. I got a lot more. I, I told you so. Uh, no. Right now, off the top of my head, I can't think of one. Mm-hmm. But I know there's been – I was wrong about that guy. I mean, we all are. You know, mm-hmm. a lot of it more from the drafting perspective because, you know, you watch a kid at 18 or 17 and you think, oh, he's going to be this and maybe he doesn't or vice versa. And that's everywhere, throughout every organization. Draft's absolutely the hardest thing, I think, to nail down. Mm-hmm. Other than when you have a top pick, that's about as easy as you can do. But mm-hmm. after that, it gets really tough. And I think, you know, it's not a crapshoot because there is a science to it, but there is a lot of luck involved. Okay. Tell me one thing about Tom Dundren that isn't true that people think and one thing that is true that people think. <sighs> There's a lot of misconception. Here's what I'll say. I've always said it before. I think he's one of the hardest working men in sports. He's the owner of our team. He's involved in every trade that happens from the minor league level to the draft. I mean, he's involved in everything. Every day he's talking about players. Can What do you think? Can this guy help us? And, you know, down the list. So 
he's involved all the time. Everyone thinks he meddles. Everyone thinks he's kind of like, I, I get the sense that, but he, he doesn't ever do anything to do with our team as far as you got to do this or that. No, none of that. Whatever you got to do lets me do it. But we have great communication on how we make our team better. And it's all about the players. Every conversation, how do we make it better for the players? And that's what he's done in Raleigh since he's taken over is, okay, how do we got to get a better practice facility? How do we make it great for the player? I'm going to do it. And we clearly now pay the players. Mm -hmm. That's coming out of his pocket. And that's the biggest thing because that's how you get a fair fight in this league. You know, it's tough when you, when you don't have a fair fight now that you can at least pay the guys and equal to the other teams that takes that out of the equation. And he's all about winning number one and making sure that players are taken care of. And I think that's really the key. I've heard you talk about this before the night that you were traded. Cause when, it, when you talk like that, I think about the night when you were traded from Philadelphia to Carolina. And I think you've told the story many times about how, what there were like 8,000 people in the building that yeah. night and the hotel you were living at, they didn't even know yeah. where the arena was. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I, I, I wonder what you must think when you go back 20 something years. Well, it's funny you just mentioned this because we played a game, it was last week, Tuesday night in Raleigh against Ottawa. And I came out and about to start the game and it's sold out. And I'm like, not that it's Ottawa, but it's Tuesday night against not a team that we've had any history with. Or there's no rivalry. And you were born there, so you and don't want to slag no, off. No, I'm not meaning it that way, but <laughs> I, I meant we got a packed house. And I'm like, you know how far we've come as an organization because that's not how it used to be. On a Saturday night, yes, Friday night maybe, you know. But on a Tuesday night, probably not, and it's we're full. And it's come a long way. I know it doesn't sound like much to some people. We've got a small market team that is – the town has supported us and they're coming out every night. And I think it's because we have a good team and people can appreciate that. And I think that's the whole part about being relevant. Mm -hmm. We wanted to be relevant and not just one year. We got to do this every year. And we're, you know, we've done that here for a few years and we need to keep doing that. I remember game seven of that Stanley cup final, the crowd standing that whole night. Did you get, did the players notice that? Did the, did well, you, you don't notice them standing, but you notice the emotion of it. Like it's so loud and you just, the energy is off the charts. And I think everywhere, every building has that. But mm -hmm. for some reason, our building is just, you get goosebumps thinking about it when you don't want to score that goal or when you do, just how the roof just comes off the place. And it's a fun place to play. Now, the, the atmosphere outside, the atmosphere in the building, and it's a great place to live. And it's it kind of was, it's always been that. Mm -hmm. But it's weird how now all of a sudden it's like, oh, really? The secret's out, I guess. And um, I think that's one of the attractions of the, the area. We have a great fan support. We have a good team, but it's a wonderful place to live. It is. Uh, you know, Paul Stasny was talking about that, about how it's green. And, uh, well, and it's easy to get around. It's, you know, uh, I don't know. It's 15 minutes to the rink. It's 15 minutes to the airport. It's, you know, and it's getting worse because everyone's moving down there. Mm -hmm. And so we are starting to get a little congestion, but it's good schools. You got the beach. If you mm -hmm. want to go, you can go to the mountains. There's just golf. Guys love to play golf. It just kind of has everything that you need. Um, so one-stop shop. Uh, one thing about Dundon I did wonder is he doesn't like rentals. No. Do, do you like that? Do you wish he would bend a bit more on that one? Uh, well, that's hard to say. If it's the right rental, maybe, you know, it has to fit. I think it's really more what he's saying. It has to be the right fit. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, we're not going to do something silly. And hindsight's everything. You could say, well, 
you just lost your top score and your other top score. Well, we didn't know that was going to happen. Right. You know? Mm -hmm. And so I think everything changes if we'd known that was going to happen. But I, I, I agree with most things that he says. It's, he's very smart. So it's tough to win an argument with him. One on one, he, he likes to argue. He, well, he doesn't like to argue. He likes to learn, and now how he learns, mm. I think, about our game is he he'll question everything you do. Mm. So then you got to give him answers to what he's questioning, and then if you can convince him, he's like, okay, I just learned something. And other things about him, he's a great listener, which I'm not. I got to do better. I'm always cutting him off, but he stops, <laughs> and he listens because he he wants to learn on what's going on, or at least how we think. So I think that's obviously a great quality. All right, a lot of places I want to go here. First of all. You were 15 years old when you left home and you went to Notre Dame Academy. Yeah. When you look back, what's the thing that makes you laugh the most about 15-year-old Rod Brindamore? Uh, I don't know what makes me laugh. I mean, I was pretty serious. I was dialed in. I knew what I wanted to do, and which I guess is a blessing, you know, because most kids, they think they know what they want to do. But I, I was like, I knew what I wanted to do. I knew how to do it, which was I just, okay, I got to put my work boots on. And I was blessed to have great coaching and great parents along the way to help me coaching to me we get a lot of credit in the nhl for coaches right here all the time you get great players even junior hockey players most of them are great when they walk into the locker room the coaches that coach these kids at 12 13 14 15 are the ones that need the credit because they're the ones that put the instincts they give the habits in all these kids that you get to work with and so at that age my dad coached me first mm -hmm. and was great and then I went to Notre Dame, like you said, and Barry McKenzie, who I think is the best coach that's ever been on the planet. Mm. Someday I got to get the list of kids that have come through him. He's long retired, but, mm -hmm. and the influence he had and where they ended up. And the list of NHLers is incredible. Yes. The list of just kids going to college. He made them better people. And he's had a great influence, just me, even how I coached, because what he did when he coached me for a couple of years. So anyway, long story to that answer at 15. I was real fortunate that I had good people around me all the way. Now, I had, I remembered that when you got to the NHL in St. Louis and you came after your season at Michigan State yep. and you scored on your first shot and you said to me, well, that's right, but there's actually more to the story. Well, a little more. <laughs> I mean, I played my first game, scored on my first shot, and it's a little rebound tap in, right? But Make it sound hey, good. It's hey, a goal. Well, it was, hey, I'm 18 years old. I came out of college, and I'm in the playoffs and scoring a goal. And then here's the better story part is the next game was game one against Chicago. So I played game five of the first series, scored the goal. They sat me out the first four games, just kind of get used to, you know, what was going on. So now I score. So they start me the next game against Chicago. I score eight seconds into the game. Right after the opening face-off, the puck just bounces up in the air. And I just put my head down, rip a slapper, goes right in. So now they think I'm the wonder kid. <laughs> I got two goals, two shots, two games. Then the third game, I score again. I think I told you this. Yeah. And it, they, they disallowed it because they didn't have replay, but it went under the bar now. This is before replay. So anyway, I was off to a hot start and it cooled off after that. But at least uh, it was a way to get in and uh, feel accepted, obviously, when you're contributing. They don't care how old you are or where you come from. If mm -hmm. you're contributing, you know, you're welcome in the league. So Brett Hull's on that team at yeah. that time. Adam Oates on that team yeah. at that time. Brian Sutter's your coach. Yeah. I'm just curious, like, what was it like when you first walked in? Because that's a tough crowd. I mean, real tough. And here's this kid. And I remember when I came into the, that room, they put me in a side room. Because, mm -hmm. you know, he was just too many players. Kid. Well, they didn't have a room for me. And I'm like, I'm not playing yet. I was the first, you know, so I'm, I'm basically changing in the. Lock in the lounge, 
You know, and I'm like, okay. And I remember coming out to practice, first shooting on Greg Mellon. Yep. Tay Mills, he's the goalie. And I'm like, God, I see there's a lot of net over here. And I'm like, I don't really know if I should just go. So I'm kind of throwing muffins in there. I wasn't really, I was a little nervous to really like rip them. And Craig Cox, I don't know if you remember oh, Craig course. Cox. Of course, off guy. I got lucky in the sense that his agent was my agent. Okay. So he obviously, but my agent told him, hey, take care of this kid. Mm -hmm. Now, maybe not the best guy to take care <laughs> of you in some avenues, okay? But on the ice. And in practice, he was like just being real nice. And I remember he used to call me Brandy and he says, You can shoot harder than that. You know, like so it just made you feel welcome. And then I started shooting a little harder. And, you know, I was like, Millsy, there's a lot of room over there, you know. Start putting a few by him. But um it was great guys. Mm -hmm. And Bernie Federko was there at the end. Yeah. So I got to play with him. Mm -hmm. It's a great time to come into the league. Uh, obviously there's a lot of stylistic changes between the NHL now and then. But what was maybe your biggest adjustment, the thing that was hardest for you to, well, to do? The biggest adjustment I ever had to make was going from the Saskatchewan Junior Hockey League mm -hmm. to college. Mm -hmm. I remember the first game I played in college, I was like, oh, my goodness. I was, felt kind of overwhelmed. When I went from college to the NHL, I was like, I was expecting that. I was expecting this overwhelming feeling. And I'm like, wait a minute, where is it? You know, like, it wasn't quite like I thought it was going to be. Mm -hmm. So the college game really prepared me, I think, to play at the NHL level. I don't know if that answered your question at all. Kind of, It does. I think just playing with that level of college with their, their men, too. There's a lot of older players, and I think that just helped me to walk right in and play at the NHL. You were part of two huge deals. Did you see them coming when they happened? The story of the St. You're talking about St. Louis trade and, and also then the Philly St. Louis trade's crazy. If that would happen today... It was that arbitration case. Yes, so Scott Stevens. So I have a pretty good year. And then my second year in St. Louis, I faltered off a little bit. So all of a sudden, I'm at training camp, and here I am being told that I'm up myself and Curtis Joseph mm -hmm. for the arbitration case because yeah. they went and poached Brandon yeah. Brand Shannon. And so the Devils are asking for, no, that's not a good enough package. We want Scott Stevens. Mm -hmm. So we're at a, I'm at a charity golf tournament for the Blues, mm -hmm. and there's a decision coming down. And back then, they didn't have – the setup like you guys have here. Yeah. They did an interview with me, the reporter, and goes, okay, I need you to, decision's coming down at five, but I'm not waiting around. I want you to give me two interviews, one where you get traded and one when you don't. <laughs> I have seen that before. I had I had to like give the uh, hate that I had to leave and then, oh, I'm happy to be here and they're going to air one at five o'clock. You know, like this is what happened. I'm like, so obviously we didn't, I didn't get moved. Mm -hmm. So now I'm I'm on a team where the, the they didn't want you. Mm -hmm. Myself and Curtis Joseph, we're sitting there and they're like, they're all bummed out because they lost Scott Stevens mm -hmm. and they got to keep myself and Curtis Joseph. So you knew the writing's on the wall. Like, mm -hmm. I mean, now it's like, where are you going to end up next, right? So off to Philadelphia. And then, you know, the, the Keith Primo one, did you see that one coming at all? Well, there's a story there that I got hurt first time. I'd played eight years in a row and blocked a shot in preseason, preseason games. Don't get me going on that, right? So I'm out now. And I tried to come back too early. And this is, again, the care has changed. Like, mm -hmm. we take care of the athletes now, like, I mean, almost overkill. Mm -hmm. But I got hit in the, in the foot in New Jersey game. We bust back. I went to the emergency room by myself to get an x-ray at 2 in the morning because that's what you did. And they said, oh, it's not really broken. You could probably play. Take a week off. Well, when you hear that, that means you're good to go. Mm -hmm. So I tried to play through it. And then – I'm just limping around, and two weeks later, I go, I got to get this thing x-rayed. I can't play. And my 
bones are all shattered and oh so God. now i gotta get pins put in so now i'm out long time that so now i'm just coming back it's no, december and the flyers call me into the office and i've said this now so i can this is 30 years ago so i think we're okay to yes you know we yeah. can and paul homer called me i love paul homer mm -hmm. he's one of my favorite coaches mm -hmm. he's the assistant gm he says what do you think of keith primo and i'm like well I just played with him in the World Cups, and so I, I, I think he's a great player. And you go, well, Lindros, for him, I go, well, whoa, whoa, whoa. I don't know about that deal. Mm -hmm. I mean, Lindros is Lindros, Lindros, primo, primo. And he goes, well, there's a whole bunch of other players, too. And I'm like, ah, I go, I wouldn't do the deal. And then I said, well, man, I'm, so I'm glad. I go, I thought you were calling me in to trade me. And then he goes, oh, no, no, we think too highly of you that we trade. And I went, oh, and it was like, okay. I went home and I said, I've been here eight years and they never called me in number one and never said, we think highly of you. I said, I'm, I'm going to be out of here. As soon as I got healthy, I was the one that got how, shipped to how Carolina. How soon was that conversation before the trade? I just coming back. So probably two weeks or a week. Wow. I only played three games when I came back. So, so the deal was right done. There. I talked to Jimmy about it. They, had, they knew the deal was going through. They're just waiting for me to kind of be healthy. So. You know, that is an unbelievable story. and It's business. I get it. I remember Phil Rizzuto, the uh, Hall of Fame shortstop from the Yankees, he once told a story I heard him tell that he was called in spring training once, and uh, whoever it was, the general manager said, we have to remove a player from the roster. And Phil Rizzuto started saying, well, what about this guy? And they're like, no, we need that guy for this reason. What about this guy? And he said that they didn't hit him. They Dude, they were yeah. telling me that yeah. I was the guy. Yeah, I'm trying to imagine that conversation. Well, I mean, I remember like yesterday because I was still uh, actually I was still on crutches, so it must have been no early November because Primo was holding out. That's what it was. So mm -hmm. there was all this chatter yeah. about where is he going to go, and they waited till I was kind of back, and then they did the deal. Now I'm sure that they were trying to get Lynn Ross, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm sure, but. Okay, that wasn't going to work. So then, we moved other pieces, and that was it. Wow. So you go to you go to Carolina, and uh, you win a Stanley Cup there. See, I'm always curious, like who you take your coach. At. Like you mentioned, Barry McKenzie, yeah. one of the greatest coaches yeah. you ever had. And I'm sure you take a little bit from each coach, but all of them. You said like you and Laviolette initially, it wasn't always yeah, easy because he was your biggest fan. Yeah, well, and I him now too, mm -hmm. and it, and it's funny how any player you talk to, who was your best coach, and they'll all say whoever played you the most, and whoever <laughs> you know, and Lavi played me the most mm -hmm. at the end. So of course, I'm, but I loved how he did it. I love how he treated everybody, and made everyone had to do it the same way. Right, and this is how we do things, and treat everybody fairly and bro a family feel to the organization and the team. And that's really about caring. And we talk a lot about that. And that's really what it is. I mean, we're such a team sport. You're fighting all the time for those little margins. And where are they? Where can you get them? Mm -hmm. And I think that's what Lavi does a real good job of. What do you remember about the night you guys won the cup? Pretty much everything. I mean, it was, do you ever watch the game? No. Well, I have. Mm -hmm. And it's every once in a while it gets, Someone puts it on game seven and, you know, I, I got to sit there and my family's watched it a few times when it's on and they, they leave. They're, they're done with it, right? <laughs> but it's great memories to see it. Brindamore with the net empty. Pronger shrugs it away. The Carolina Hurricanes have won the Stanley Cup. I remember going into game seven and it felt like the weight came off. And I didn't realize there was a weight on, meaning... 
all the way through playoffs. I'm in 35, and Glenn Wesley's 37, and Hetty's 35. And, you know, we go down the list of guys that we haven't won, and this is it. Like, we know. I mean, it might not be, but, you know, without saying it, like, guys, this is our last shot here. And going into game seven, you knew it was over. So tomorrow is no tomorrow. And so it it just – I remember coming into the game going, wow, this is this is it right here. And just felt real at ease. And we were at home, which was good. That was a big deal back then. It seems to be still a big deal, but not as much. But it's uh, – and then obviously the crowd, like you talked about, mm-hmm. right from coming out in the warm-up, and the place was just electric. And you kind of wish any everybody could experience that as a player mm-hmm. because it's so special. And obviously winning, you wish everyone could do. And that's kind of why I love coaching. I, I want it so bad for the guys we have to be able at least one time Mm-hmm. have that experience because it sticks with you forever. What was the best part about the celebration or the the moments? Well, I do remember a lot. I remember my family being out there, my kids. Um, my dad was out there. It was real special because, it's, again, it's, all of a sudden it's all the people that helped you get there. Mm-hmm. And they're as happy and they're as much a part of it as you are and as the team is. And that's really what comes out. You see it every year when guys win. And I think that's what makes the Stanley Cup so special because everybody that's in it understands, and I mean everyone, families, understand how much sacrifice goes into. It's mm-hmm. not even the playoffs. It's not that grind there. It's mm-hmm. the years and years of grinding mm-hmm. to get to that point, and that's what makes it so special. And I think why our sport, the Stanley Cup's the greatest championship because of what it takes to win. You know what everybody remembers about that Stanley Cup final with you is the cup right. grab. Right, the cup grab, <laughs> the, the lift. You mean, <laughs> or just know the when, when the commissioner yeah, hands yeah, it to yeah. you? Congratulations to Jimmy Rutherford, Peter Laviolette, all the players on the Hurricanes. Rob Brindamore, I'm proud to present this to you. Everyone says I took it from Gary, and that's not what happened. I couldn't hear a thing. So, and, and I just. You're excited. I was, yeah, and I'm like, I thought he said, go ahead. And apparently he's supposed to do a little more. I don't know. And I just like, well, I'm not waiting around. Like, this is, you know, I just couldn't wait to get it. So it wasn't disrespectful, but somehow it's come off that way over the years that I just took it from him. No clue what was going on. Couldn't hear a thing. And I just didn't want to miss my chance, you know. Did you think that you would coach as long as you have? No. Didn't even think I was going to coach. I didn't really want to. Mm-hmm. I've done the grind mm-hmm. for so long as a player, meaning the travel and missing the family and missing the kids do their things. And I'm like, I need to be home. I want to coach my kids, not miss stuff, but I want to stay in hockey. So let's just do management. I can make my own. That was kind of what I was hoping to do. And then one thing led to another. And I was doing it a little bit. I was coaching. I had the best gig. It was I was assistant coach, but I was only staying at home. Mm-hmm. So I wasn't on the road, I'm, but I wasn't – I mean, now I'm not really doing anything. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm kind of helping, but I'm not influencing enough. You either got to be all in or all out. Yes. And so let's just do this. And Tom gave me the chance. I mean, I was at the point – I'd been an assistant coach for a long time. And I'm like, eh, I got to either – you know, I can't think of the correct words here, but mm-hmm. it's get off the you-know-what. And so Tom gave me the chance. I'm still here. You're going to hate this because you hate talking about yourself. But there are a lot of people who know the kind of workings of this team or around this team that say you are the person that makes it all work. The culture of the hurricane. Yeah. I know you love to credit the players. Well, it's all the players. But they say the cult, even the players say the culture comes from you. Well, that's to deflect it from them, which is smart. 
it's actually like I talked about the organizational, and I, I know it sounds corny and yeah, 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 but it's a belief on how we got to do things, and it starts with the players. I mean, I know you you have a bad manager, it's not going to be good. You have a bad coach, part, but you got to have players. You can have the best of all those if you don't have the players. What are you going to do? I mean, you might do a little, but you're not going to be successful. So I just look at the leadership we have, and I've talked about it at length, but Jordan Stahl is one of the best leaders you could have as someone you want to build culture to or around. That culture word gets thrown around all the time, but it's just talking about having good people that do it right mm-hmm. and consistently because everybody can do it right once in a while. The trick is can you do it right over and over and over, and when people are telling you it's not right. Or there's an easier way, or there's a different way, and that's Jordan Stahl, just and on and off the ice. So he represents himself and the Hurricanes, not just the way he plays, but follow that guy around on a daily basis, you know. And so now there's your guy, and now you stick Aho and you stick Jarvis, you stick all these young guys, and just let them watch. What am I doing? Nothing. I'm just putting them around good people. Mm-hmm. And that's how you build culture, I think. Is it harder to lose as a player or a coach? Oh, way harder as a coach. Because you can't do anything about it? Can't do anything about it, but as a player, I would go home, not sleep, but I'd play all my shifts over in my head. I could have done that different. You know, I just missed that face off, or how did I hit miss that one, empty net, da-da-da-da-da. As a coach, you go through 20 guys' mistakes. You're like, he did that. I, I didn't get the message through here or whatever. So you got 20 guys' mistakes to, you know, deal with. Mm-hmm. And now you expect to win every night. It's NHL, but – when you don't win, it just – and you got to flip the screws. But it's uh, – I think it's way harder as a coach, which is why I don't know how long I'm going to do this, <laughs> to be honest. Well, that's the thing I, wa- I wanted to ask you is, like you've kind of indicated it's Carolina or nowhere. It's gonna be, it would be hard, Yeah, I'll be honest. I'm not going to say I would never do it, mm-hmm. you know, because I have some good friends in other places that mm-hmm. I really respect. But I have a hard time right now envisioning the way I coach anyway – to do it somewhere else. I have, I have, a, I have always had a hard time and I know it's guys' jobs, mm-hmm. but I'm wearing whatever shirt, golf shirt with their logo, logo. And then they're fired the next day. They're putting the other hat on and they're like, this is the best. I'm like, <laughs> well, what were you just selling at the other place? I, and I get it. That's how, that's, that's how it works. But it, I have a hard time with that. I think mm-hmm. now Tom gives me a call tomorrow and says, you know, we lose again. And he's like, okay, making a switch. I mean, I don't know that I, I don't know if I could stay away from the game. That's the other part. So who knows what would happen? I don't think that call's coming anytime soon. Uh, I have to, I, I got to turn it around here pretty quick. Well, you know what? Let's talk about that for a second because, you know, you lost two players, two important players. And it would be easy to say, this is not our year, but I can't imagine no, Rod no, Brendamore no, saying no, no, this no, is no. not we, our we, year. Listen, you know, we lost Pastoretti and Sveshnikov. That's 70 goals, let's say, conservatively, <laughs> out of your alignment. We didn't replace it because we thought we would have them. So that's going to be tough. Now, we replaced it in other areas, in my opinion. We got Brent Burns. This guy's as advertised. And we have a host of other guys on the back end that are picking it up. And then some other guys have taken a step forward that we didn't expect in Marty Natchez and in Ajo's Ajo. But we still lost a big chunk of goal. So it's easy to say, oh, it's not our year. That's not how we're thinking. We, we've put all this work in, and I say we, the players, from July to now, they're not just going to throw in the towel. Mm-hmm. And we just got to figure a way, different ways of doing it. Every year around Hall of Fame time, I get a call from someone in the Hurricanes who says, 
pump me up. I, you even rolled your eyes before I finished the question. Now? Does it matter to you? Uh, no. Uh, well, it would be a huge honor. So I don't want to discredit that. I didn't grow up ever thinking about that. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? That yeah. was never, I want to be in the Hall of Fame. It was win a Stanley Cup and play in the NHL long enough that I could support my family. Like, that was kind of like, I, I don't want to have to do what my dad did for a living. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that was all I was like, I'm not doing that. But I want all I want to do is raise the cup. So check, check, right? So I'm good. I'm good with that, if you know what I mean. Yes. So we're, everything's gravy now mm-hmm. for me on that end. Second one I heard from another coach, and the other coaches obviously out there really respect the job you do. He had a great line about you. He said, as long as Rod Brindamore is behind a bench, nobody will be in more trouble with the referees. That could only be second best. Than behind Brendan Moore. I get a bad rap there. I just, I I get, here's my thing is I want to help these guys. I'm pushing the league. We need to have review on penalties. These guys are the best at what they do. Mm -hmm. There's zero chance anyone could do what they're doing. You could throw 10 refs out there, it's not going to get it right because it happens too fast. Fast. And yet they've done this technology thing and they've stuck it where we get the view within five seconds and the whole building and the whole people at home and they're sticking on the bench. Now we can tell if they, mess this up Why? so you Why? want video review for penalties yes and i'm like you want to go through this sure I, I'm you want to go through this this I'm is this how quickly in. you do it take two of the officials off the ice we don't need four on the ice what are the linesmen really doing offside we got review for offside if you're wrong mm-hmm. i'm not taking jobs away that mm-hmm. was the other thing I, i've mentioned this five years ago and everyone oh losing jobs no i'm preserving jobs because wear and tear less wear and tear two guys on the ice you're not in the danger areas you're getting hit with pucks hmm. okay you're in the neutral zone, calling the game. You have two guys in the box on review. On every time there's a penalty, put your hand up. The one guy's going already, checking to see if that was the right call. You go to a TV timeout for 30 seconds. Just put the red light on, and the whistle goes, and they just quickly look at it. We already take how many TV timeouts in a period? Three, per- three per period. No, no, no. Three minutes per period. You got nine per yeah, so it's like, it's, like, it's like six minutes per period. Okay, yes. so just hear me out. Yeah. When you have that penalty call, the one guy's already – just gives him a thumbs up is the right call because maybe – then he's like, oh, wrong, drop it at center. But we, we're taking a 30-second timeout. So we come back out of that. I mean, it's quick. We got it right. We got the call right. And they get – if by some chance it's got to go longer, take another – just add it to – add a minute. But guess what? At that 13-minute marker, we've had three penalties. Now we're not taking a three-minute stoppage and play, which – it sucks the life out of the building. Just when you go there, you're like, "Who did you? Who did you?" Just wait. I'm not done. This is this is this is. So now we're not actually taking any more time, right? Because we've had four penalties. We've taken two minutes off. When we stop at the 13 minute marker, we just take a one minute timeout because we're making sure we're getting paid. The commercials are going. But guess what? We've just done. We've got all the calls right. Now we're not. It's not going to help the ones that we miss, mm-hmm. which that's part of the game. But the ones that you want to get right, you made the call. They should be the right call. And these guys, would, they're the best in the world. It takes them two seconds to look, oh, that's not what I thought I saw. Or this head-whipping thing that goes on when yes. guys hit the – it's impossible to tell live. That's why guys are doing it. Imagine if you, got a, you knew it was getting reviewed, would you think you'd have the head whip? No, you wouldn't because you'd get embellishment now, right? And we, just you get what I'm getting at. Yes. We don't want a game to end on penalties that are not penalties. You're okay with missing something. Honestly, you can live with that. But the one that is not a penalty, that caused a goal, those are the ones that, that I get frustrated with. So my, half my time I'm screaming because I just, if it's wrong, this is why. All they had to do was get a second look at it. 
you're taking two guys off the, every night you get a little rest so this your four-man crew is going around they're only actually on the ice for half the games they're in their stuff by the way because if there's a melee they can come right out and break things up and one guy drops the puck the whole game so you get consistency. So at one end, it's not one linesman that's just jamming it down. And at the other end, the guy's making both guys stop and they get confused. Um, you know, you always complain about this. Just have one guy do it every face off. So he's doing it the same both ways. Offsides, you're letting it go anyway. Now we've come, that's the best thing the NHL's done is let those ones go, right? Because how many times are they wrong on that when you review it? I think very rare. Very and, and it's so tiny. So like tiny. The naked eye they're doing can't a see great job anyway. with that. Yeah. Right. And that, but they're letting them go. Where they used to kill some where they weren't offside. And you're like, well, you just killed the scoring chance. You killed the flow. So the league's moving that direction. They're all worried about it's gonna take too long. If you're actually just making up time where you were taking time anyway, what are you doing? We all want to get it right. If that's our goal, is all everyone in the room says we just want to get it right. Is this not a way to do that at the end of the day? It's not losing jobs, it's preserving jobs. It's giving these guys that are great at what they do. No one else can do this. There's zero chance you and I could go out there and call a game. Zero. I would just never even blow no. this. I would just let everything go because but they do an amazing job. Imagine if they had they knew they could quickly go check or had you in the box on the headset with me going, hey, did I, was that the right call? You know, let's let's take a peek quick. Okay. We're we got time because we're taking it on another commercial. I just think we get them right. That's it. Long story on that. And we're saving refs from getting hit in the corners and getting in the way. How often does a puck, when they're trying to clear, it hits the ref, goes up? You don't need to be down there. We don't even need to be at the goal line because everything's reviewed when the goal goes in. We do a great job of reviewing those goal line things. And Anyway. That's phenomenal. Like, have you proposed I said this five years ago Who in the you? Boston series when, when I got asked this. I'll never forget it. First time, I was like, we need to have this. And everyone... They didn't let me finish the whole thing like you have. I mean, you'll probably well, edit all this, no, but no, no. that's this okay. You'll almost, edit this whole thing. my witness. He's the, uh, he's the editor. This he's is like, all no, going to air. No chance. Nobody wants to hear about this. No, it's going to air. My suggestion. And it's just to help out. Take or take away the video then. Don't show us replays. Why are you doing that? Have you ever taken it to the league? Said, um, When do I talk to the league? I'm not doing that. This is my chance to talk to the league right here. I'll probably get – do you think I can get in trouble? No, this? you won't get in trouble. This is a this. suggestion. And it's to help them. We get the best refs in the league. Why do we have to kick them out at 50 or 55? Whatever. What, isn't there an age limit? I, I think it's more a can you keep up kind okay, of. Okay, well, yeah. guess what? If I'm just going from the neutral zone to the neutral zone, I can go into the other zone, but I don't have to to call a game. You get keep these good guys around for longer is what I would think. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't think you're wrong. Well, we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> Last question for you. It's Jeff Merrick, and he talked about Selkie voting. Yeah. Is Selkie the best defensive forward or the best 200-foot forward? Overall forward, 200-footer, for sure. It's a guy you want on the ice to win a game and to defend a game in the last second. You know what I mean? That's the guy you want on the ice. That's your Selkie. And the guys that have won that now in the last 20 years is basically what it's come to. You need a goal, he's going out. You need to stop a goal, he's going out. That's it. That's basically how I look at that award. And I'm glad that it's gone to that. Because there's so many good defensive-minded players that know how to play, can put the puck in on that. And it wasn't like that originally. It was kind of not taken away from any of those guys, but I like how it is now. Rod, you're incredible. Thanks so much. You're the best. I appreciate you, man. You do a great job for hockey. And that's 
that's what it's all about. Uh, it pales in the comparison of the job you no. do. Really appreciate your time. Of course. All right. Well, that was that was that was, that was me. Minutes. No, it was fifteen minutes. I didn't. I